In the past 20 years or so, the issue of what we do with waste has become a perennial bone of contention. Across the Western world, governments have been pushing us to recycle more. We are told recycling is one of the ways we can do our bit to save the planet. Recycling rates rose for a while but have since stagnated in many places. The dream of a zero-waste society where consumption is reduced and everything we do is reused or recycled seems a long way off. Yet there are still efforts to get there. The European Union, for example, last year agreed to spend €6 billion Euros on efforts to produce a circular economy, where resources are constantly reused and few, if any, virgin resources need to be extracted. Is all this effort justified? One of the earliest critics of recycling was New York Times writer John Tierney. In 1996, he wrote a long article for the New York Times magazine arguing that the recycling process as we carried it out was wasteful, costly and ineffectual. Defenders of recycling hit back, arguing that recycling efforts were in their infancy, and once the systems for recycling and markets for recycling materials were in place, the problems would be solved. However, last autumn he returned to the topic, arguing that sending rubbish to landfill remains the cheapest and most efficient method of disposal for most materials, and that recycling only survives thanks to government intervention and subsidies. So is recycling just a waste of time? I'm delighted to be joined by John Tierney, who is author with Roy Baumeister of Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength, and he's joining me via Skype from New York. Hello, John. Hi, Rob. Thanks for inviting me. So I was thinking about this. I mean, even people that I know who don't really like the whole business of separating their waste and would still find your argument quite odd. You know, they would say, well, yeah, I'm throwing all this stuff in the, the bin, but, you know, regardless of whether I enjoy separating it or not. Aren't there valuable resources here? You know, is, and if we don't have to make them from scratch, doesn't that save some greenhouse gas emissions? I mean, surely recycling makes some sense. Well, recycling makes sense for some materials in, at some times in some places. You know, generally, it makes sense to recycle aluminum because it, it saves a lot of energy when you recycle it rather than making new aluminum for, you know, for cans of Coke. Um, it generally makes sense to recycle paper and cardboard, especially commercial cardboard in a store where they've got all these boxes and they, it's just as easy for them to send it to a recycling plant as to a landfill. But once you get beyond paper and cardboard and metals, the environmental benefits, they diminish very quickly and they sometimes vanish because it's, you know, it's very difficult and time-consuming, not only for people at home, but for recycling plants to sort, you know, all this stuff out. It, it takes a lot of work to do that because you end up with a lot of stuff, you know, that just isn't worth very much. I mean, the worst of all is glass. It may f feel virtuous, to, you know, to throw a glass bottle into a recycling bin, but what happens is by the time it gets to the recycling plant, it's probably broken. So they're dealing with all these shards of glass that they have to separate that, that are, in, are difficult to deal with because, you know, they're, they're also dangerous to anyone who's handling it. And it, it, it gunks up the machinery, the, the glass. And then what they're left with by the time they get all those shards of glass together is something that is worthless. I mean, they have to pay someone to take that off their hands because, you know, there's no shortage of sand to make new glass. You know, people are not clamoring for recycled glass because there's a shortage of sand. So basically, that's the case where you're basically just hurting the recycling effort by doing it. And for most other things, even for plastic bottles, I mean, I, I calculated that, uh, that if you rinse a plastic bottle with warm water, you may actually be adding greenhouse gases to the atmosphere you know, by the time it's recycled because of the coal that was burned for that electricity. But, e but even if you don't rinse it, that to offset the greenhouse emissions of one you know, round-trip airplane flight from New York to London, 
it would it would uh, you have to recycle forty thousand plastic ba- bottles, and that's if you're flying coach. If you're flying in, you know, if you're taking a, a bigger seat in the front of the plane, it's it's probably more like a hundred thousand bottles. So when you think about those numbers, I mean, it feels good to you know put that plastic bottle in the recycling bin, but it's not really making much difference to the planet. It's interesting you, you say something there about the, the effort that goes into uh, the further sorting of, of this waste when it gets to the recycling plant. Because one of the things that recycling advocates say is, oh, this is a great source of new jobs if it costs a bit more money. Well, on the other hand, you're getting all these these jobs as well. So that's got to be good news, hasn't it? Not really. I mean, uh, what they're saying is that this is, you know, that this is an inefficient process that requires more work to produce the same product. I mean, you know, you know, people have said that if you really want to create a lot of jobs, we should all just go dump our garbage in the middle of the street, and there'd be millions of jobs of people cleaning it up. Doesn't mean that it's helping the economy in any way. Um, I mean, the reason that we can afford to, you know, to um, to live the way we do, to worry about the kind of problems that we worry about is that we, you know, I mean, we don't all spend our times doing things ourselves. We don't have, you know, millions of people growing food all the time. We have one farmer that grows food for a lot of people. So it's not really efficient. Just creating jobs is really a drawback. I mean, basically, and plus it's, I, I always wonder when I hear that argument, do you really think that sorting garbage is a great job to be creating? Wouldn't you rather save that money and, and use it to, to hire a school teacher? Uh, I mean, for instance, in New York City, where I live, it's pro- the city has probably spent $2 billion in the last 20 years on recycling. That if it had just sent the trash to a landfill, it would have saved $2 billion. Could have, you know, think of what that money could have done in terms of hiring teachers, building schools, you know, spending on taking care of parks. Instead, we're basically, we spend all that money for the privilege of spending our spare time recycling and, you know, spare time sorting garbage and then, you know, sending it off somewhere to be sorted again and, and turned into something. So I, I, you know, I'm skeptical of that argument. One of the arguments that recycling proponents also say is, well, you know, we don't have the right systems in place. Once we've established as a markets recycle material, then, you know, things will be much better. And it seemed like they that was happening, that we, we were sending lots and lots of, like, plastic and stuff like that back to China on the empty boats after they'd delivered all their uh, wonderful uh, goods to us. And and that seemed to be working for a while. The price of plastic, recycled plastic, seemed to be uh, sky high at one point. And now it's really dropped again. I mean, is, is that just a blip? Well, uh, you're right that, you know, prices for recyclables went up a bit, you know, especially paper. China was buying all this scrap paper from from the United States, you know, and kind of using it as their uh, forest. But then they lost their appetite for because th- this stuff is not getting a lot of the, of this res- of this waste stuff. It's not really great material to work with. And China got pickier about it. And then plastics became more valuable because the price of oil went up. And basically plastics are made from oil. And then oil prices went down, and suddenly the whole market collapsed. And, I mean, in the short term, I don't think anyone expects, or at least I don't hear people thinking that oil prices are going to go very high anytime soon because we've got all this natural gas in the United States and all this oil that can be done. And and if you really take a look at the long picture, this is where recycling advocates, I think, really missed the boat back in, you know, you know the, the recycling philosophy began in the 1970s and that was the great period of the energy crisis and there was this widespread belief that we're running out of oil we're running out of natural resources we're going to be freezing in the dark and it felt that way 
And it, that's in a, a powerful intuitive belief also because it does seem, gee, the population's growing. There, are, you know, there isn't any more oil. You know, we're not making new oil in the ground. And therefore, shouldn't we run out of things? But if you talk then, and I wrote about this then, you know, if you talk to economists who study long-range trends of natural resources, uh, this seems very counterintuitive. But if you look at the numbers, it's true that even though the population of the world has grown enormously, you know, to 6 billion, 7 million people in the, in the last few centuries, the price of raw, the raw materials are actually less scarce. And that is because we keep finding new sources of raw materials. We keep finding new substitutes for raw materials. And that's why the long-range trend for thousands of years has been that the cost of raw materials goes down. They actually effectively become less scarce. And meanwhile, the only resource that really gets more expensive over the long term, over centuries, over millennia, is the cost of human labor. You know, you have to, you know, it costs more and more money to, to, to hire someone to do a job for you. But the materials that they work with are worth less and less. I mean, that's why we can afford to buy so much more stuff than our ancestors could. You know, back then, you know, having more than one or two shirts was, you know, was a luxury. People couldn't afford to have electric lights on. You know, they couldn't afford to have a candle burning all, all night. Now we can afford to have electric lights on as long as we want. Um, so these things all get cheaper, and that's where recycling is on the long, is on the wrong side of two trends. That it's using labor, which is increasingly expensive, to create materials that are increasingly less expensive, less valuable. So in that sense, I don't see much hope for it. The only, I mean, there's some hope for recycling if you can get rid of the labor and if you can automate the process as much as you can, then it becomes a little more um, economical to do it. But the, the problem with that, and recyclers are trying to do it, they've gotten better at it. There's lots of new machinery for sorting stuff automatically. But here is where greens are hurting their own cause because the whole idea of zero waste means you have to recycle everything in the trash. And the more stuff you mix in there, the more stuff you put in there, the more difficult it becomes to sort. Uh, you need to get more humans in there to sort this stuff. It becomes very difficult, as I mentioned, you know, trying to get shards of glass out, all these different kinds of plastics, all these, you know, these different um, kinds of new containers. Uh, I mean, I, I, one example, for instance, that it used to be relatively simple to, you know, to sort all these soup cans that we had. And the metal was somewhat valuable. The cans are pretty easy to sort. Well, manufacturers figured out, uh, and this is great for the environment, they figured out how to put a lot of these things into these super thin, super lightweight plastic pouches. Now, these things are good for the environment. They, they, they require a lot less material. They require less energy. They're much cheaper to transport, which, you know, and, and, and it takes less energy to transport them. And they take up very little room in a the landfill. They're so thin. They're, you know, but um, they're really difficult to recycle. It's just like one tiny sheet of, uh, of, of this thin plastic that is difficult to sort, and it's pretty worthless when you have sorted it. So it's really, for that stuff, I mean, the most efficient ways to get rid of these things are either to bury them in a landfill. It depends where you live. Uh, it depends how, how expensive landfill space is. Uh, in the United States, we have plenty of it. We have plenty of land. We have plenty of landfills. But even if you're in a very densely populated place like Europe, you know, there are modern incinerators, and you can use it to, to create clean energy. That's, 
that's typically more expensive in a lot of places than landfilling. But it's you know if landfills really bother you, you can do that, and you just put it in the incinerator, you burn it, you get clean energy, and you don't have to worry about it. Well, a few weeks ago, I had to do some uh, research on um, Britain's energy mix, and uh, mm-hmm. because there was there was some new reports saying you know oh we're producing I think it was thirteen or fourteen percent of of energy from renewable sources. Interestingly. Three quarters of one percent of our total energy supply, or nine percent of this renewable energy, is actually landfill gas. Um, and people don't seem to realise that the, you know when we bury stuff in the ground now, we stick a pipe down the middle of it and we collect the methane that comes off and we burn it. And and this is counts as uh, renewable energy. So yeah, it's it's interesting that the, the fact that landfills got smarter seems to have passed a lot of people by. Exactly. People still have the image of landfills as these, you know, old holes in the ground that you dump stuff in and it leaks into the groundwater and 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 and, and it's a great menace to the people around. I mean, the mo- modern landfills tend to be way off in the country. Certainly, in the United States, they're way off by themselves, where they're surrounded by a lot of greenery, so that you know they don't bother the neighbors. They have they have double linings in them. You know, they're monitored constantly to make sure they don't leak. And as you say, they, you know, methane does, is produced by garbage, and that is a greenhouse gas. But, you know, they're now required, and they're making much more of an effort to basically recapture that and, and turn it into energy. So, and, and, you know, people have this idea that, that landfills, it's just terrible that it's a, you know, why are we using up this, this space? You know, in the United States in particular, you know, all the garbage that we would generate for the next thousand years would fit on, you know, one-tenth of one percent of, of the land that's already open for grazing right now. And the thing is that even that tiny amount of land, you know, once you turn it into a landfill and you fill it up, you just cover it up and you turn it into a park or a golf course. And uh, the United States Open Tennis Tournament is played on an old landfill, that's, you know, and one that's not nearly as environmentally sound as the ones today that have all these liners. So to me, there's not – I mean um, – yeah, I understand people have an intuitive aversion to just throwing stuff out and it feels wasteful, but yeah, you know what I sometimes try, and I, I talk to classes of you know, children sometimes, I say, you know, all this garbage, all these things came out of the ground. You know, originally, we're just putting them back in the ground. We've used them and we're putting them back in and we'll have a park on top of it afterwards. Moving on to kind of the politics or the, the the ethics of it, because as I said earlier, people get really passionate about this stuff. Why why do you think that people on on both sides you know get really worked up about it? I mean, I've been on a few radio phone-ins about this topic, and they, they, it's like a perennial for the producers of your local radio station. Just talk about recycling, and you'll get flooded with calls because everybody gets really animated about it. But why Why is that? You know, why are we so animated about getting rid of rubbish? Um, it, it's bizarre to me. I mean, I've, I've always said you know, that it's strange that the richest society in history becomes obsessed with personally handling its own waste. I mean, it used to be recycling was something that really poor people did because, you know, people crawling through trash heaps looking for things they can, and people would, you know, use old tin cans to, you know, for, to make the walls of their of their huts and things. But but the reason I think is that recycling, it's really, um, it's a religious ritual, that it's a rite of atonement, that people feel guilty about all the things we use it feels and it feels wasteful that we you know that we use these things and recycling it is a way to it's a form of penance it's kind of like an indulgence as long as i'm recycling it then i'm not doing it so much uh, one english professor had a nice essay about this where he said that 
most of us like to think of ourselves. We're not, you know, grubby materialists. We have higher things. We, you know, we're, we're spiritual. We care about more important things, and we don't really care about stuff. We like to tell ourselves that. But then we look at, you know, at our garbage bins, and we see that there's all this stuff in it. You know, garbage is the is the lipstick on the collar of our love affair with stuff. And so you think that by recycling it somehow, you're expiating that guilt that I'm not really using this. I'm just doing that. So, and, and I think you know this gets into, I mean, you know, you know that religions, you know, once they establish what are considered virtuous activities, they may be. You know, there may not be any economic rationale for them. You know, why you eat kosher, why Catholics didn't eat, you know, meat on Fridays. But once you establish these rituals, then that's the sign of a virtuous person. And so it's very important to, to demonstrate that. And people genuinely feel that, you know, if I don't do that, I'm a sinner. And, and my feeling has always been, been when I talk to passionate, you know, Greens about recycling, it's, it's, you know, it's fine with me. If you want to recycle, that's great. You know, you should do it. It's your religion. You, you're free to do it. I just don't like forcing everyone else to do it. I mean, I don't particularly enjoy sorting garbage. You know, I don't want to, you know, have, you know, d- devote space in my kitchen for five different kinds of bins of things to put it in. Um, if someone else does, great, but just don't make me do it. What's the alternative? I mean, we, we started talking about a landfill with, and uh, incinerators, but do you have any sympathy with the aims of the sort of broader circular economy, the idea that we should have this cradle-to-cradle design and that, you know, it, the, the real problem is that we, um, we, don't, we don't think about getting rid of stuff when we're designing it in the first place and that if we really thought the whole system through that we could massively reduce uh, waste. Do you, think, do you think that's something that's worth devoting a lot of effort to? No, I, I think that that is the worst kind of central planning. You, you know, as, as, as Hayek, the libertarian economist, said the fatal conceit of intellectuals is the idea that we can sit in the middle here and figure out the best way. The idea, I can, tell, I can figure out the best way to design a product, and there's a committee in some capital city is going to figure that out. The best way to deal with the environmental uh, uh, problems of, of recycling, basic, which are basically greenhouse gases, you know, the emissions. And it's not really that a significant part of the greenhouse thing. But the best way to deal with that, I, I think, is to, is to put the equivalent of a garbage, uh, of a carbon tax on garbage. You know, instead of, I mean, instead of, it, it's, it, it's the same argument for a carbon tax in general. Instead of someone sitting around and saying every household can only use X amount of this, and people can only use this kind of car, or this kind of oven, or this kind of that. You put a tax on carbon. So basically, you know, the people have an incentive not to waste it, but there isn't some central committee sitting there deciding how each person is going to do it. And uh, an economist that I quoted in my New York Times article uh, from Bucknell, Thomas Kinneman, said he calculates that, and he he did what I think is the most extensive study of the of the environmental impacts of waste management, the social costs. The he calculated in so many different factors, and he calculates that if you would put a fifteen dollar per ton tax on on trash, it's essentially a carbon tax. That if you would put that on that, and you could you know use that tax to plant trees or do something to offset greenhouse emissions, or you could defer for parks, whatever you want to do with it. But basically, that would basically cover the environmental costs and impacts of that trash. And then once you impose that $15 tax on it, then 
I used to look around and say, well, once I've, I put that tax on it, what is the most efficient way to get rid of this? And there are going to be some materials, as I've said, like aluminum and paper and cardboard, where it's going to make economic sense to send that to a recycling plant. Um, in general, though, I think most things, it, it's usually cheaper to send them to a landfill or if you live in a really densely populated area, you know, uh, to put them into an incinerator. Uh, I think that's what most people would find. And he calculates that if we put that $15 a ton tax on garbage, there'd be a lot less recycling than there is today. In uh, the UK, I think we have a landfill tax. So local authorities get uh, tax for every ton that they uh, send to a landfill. And I think Uh the last time I looked, it was about the equivalent of $75 a ton. Oh, really? Yeah. So it sounds as if you've already expiated your sins. So. Uh, clearly, yes. <laughs> and then you get then you get this uh, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. So um, so you get these schemes where they give you vouchers for how much you've uh, recycled, and they say this is saving local authorities money only because it's that they're paying so much out in tax to put it into landfill that it it makes sense for them to give use half of that money to get people to recycle a bit more uh, to, to obviate this tax and obviously $70 a ton is an, an enormous tax so yeah that's a lot to pay yeah. and I I mean and, you know and, and, and the thing with these taxes and things is that there are some people that really you know uh, the studies show that there are some people that will willingly pay money to recycle you know they would rather recycle it personally they'd rather sort their own trash and put it in recycling bins than just have someone take away a bin of trash because it makes them feel good so and they're the kind of people that, you know, it, you know, they like doing it. Let's encourage them to do it and give them some kind of reward for it. And, but for other people who don't care that much, then let them. I mean, it, you know, what, what I find creepy is we're talking about doing it in New York and San Francisco's doing this to zero waste where, you know, the mayor declares no one's going to throw anything out anymore. And it's never going to happen, for one thing. You just simply can't eliminate waste. It's just it becomes prohibitively expensive and you start playing all kinds of games the way you classify things and but it's just you basically then end up and i think they have this in uh in seattle now i think there are garbage police that are going around in, and there's actually a lawsuit going on people are saying our rights of privacy are being invaded because you're going through our garbage you know to make sure that we're following the recycling laws i just don't think it's it, you know it's not a big problem that the government needs to start invading your garbage to make sure that, that you're you're throwing things out the way they want you to Oh, we go, we go way further than that. I've had uh, the, the, my local authority refused to take my bin away because I put some hedge clippings in the uh, in the wrong bin, and they were supposed to go in the garden waste bin. Uh, so yeah, and uh, yeah, used thought, to be in, you used to be in prison for that. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, John, for taking time to talk to me, uh, and I hope um, challenging people's views about recycling. Okay, thanks very much, Rob. I enjoyed talking to you. Uh, cheers, John. 